for the world to remember the importance and the power of connecting to our ancestors, of knowing where we come from, and of ancestral healing. And when the world remembers the power of ancestral healing and staying connected to our roots, what we're doing is we are embodying lineages of love. We are remembering the love that lives at the core of our lineages, beneath all the layers of trauma and conditioning and programming. We're remembering that core of love and we are choosing to weave it back through and to do that healing work, to shed those layers of trauma so that we can embody actual lineages of love and walk as future ancestors in our power as wise and well ones. Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Weaving the Wild podcast. In this space, we are reclaiming and remembering the wildish wisdom and knowledge that lies deep within our bones and reconnecting to those parts of ourselves that are both ancient and familiar. We talk about it all, awakening our collective wildness and dropping back into our bodies honoring our cyclical rhythms, connecting to our roots, embracing our intuitive nature, and living embodied within the feminine. I'm Rachel Hodgins, and I'm honored to be walking this path beside you. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome Welcome back to the Weaving the Wild podcast. And if it is your first time here, if this is the first time my voice is reaching your ears, welcome. Welcome. I am so, so happy. I'm so happy that you are here. It has been, it's been a bit, it's been a year. And if you have been here for a little bit, you will know that this year has been a little bit quieter on the podcast. Strangely enough, it has been, this has been the year that I've kind of produced the least amount of episodes. And yet somehow, according to my Spotify wrapped anyway, we have had 85% growth in listenership on just on the Spotify platform alone, which is wild. Like that is, that's insane guys. So if you were part of that, if you are amongst that 85% growth, thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you all. But I'm so happy that you're here. And yeah, I have kind of been a little bit MIA in a lot of places recently. I found over the last few months, and I, I know I'm not alone here, I, I had to get quiet. I had to get really still in certain, in a lot of areas of my life, actually. And I felt myself really kind of, I don't want to say reflecting, but really recalibrating and landing and getting really clear on what is to come. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm feeling really excited for 2024 now i i have some really big visions that have grown so clear over the last few months and 
like they're they're in me they're in my body they're they've landed they're fully integrated and I'm so ready I'm so ready now to kind of bring them to life and part of that one really big part of that is this podcast I have felt over the last few months this big form of new life stirring around the weaving the wild podcast and lots of love and dreams and just excitement basically um a lot of ideas that are, are ready to get going essentially and they're already in the works for for early early 2024 and that excites me and yet i was sort of sitting here and i'm just like there's so much life that I want to share for the podcast now. And I, I want to bring it to you now. One of my intentions all along with this podcast has been to just to create a, a sacred moment for you to create a space where you can access something sacred within you. And, you know, I've, I've had that reflected back from you guys it's it just is such an honor and a thrill to hear that that when you press play on any episode of this podcast that something happens for you that either you feel yourself go really still within and like a sense of coming home or you you, you feel something moving within you something awakening or activating remembering however it feels for you it's something you know and that's that's always been my hope and my intention and I I want you to access that now I want to I want to be serving you and bringing that to you now especially as this episode kind of airs you know we're, we're in December these next few weeks for a lot of people often feel really busy or chaotic and if not that intense it can it can just be like a busy time right and often we we prioritize those moments for ourselves less and so I wanted to to offer something to you now that kind of prompts you and reminds you and gives you a, a moment each week to just drop into that space whatever it is that that you're looking for that the weaving the wild podcast gifts to you and so I I wanted to go on a little trip down memory lane with you over the next few weeks I'm going to be sharing some of my my favorite most potent and delicious podcast interviews on this show it was honestly it's been really hard to to choose (laughs) which ones to share and maybe I'll do this again and I'll revisit because whether you've already heard these episodes or maybe you've missed one or maybe you know you've only just landed here in in this space and you haven't yet gone back to see you know some of the episodes from the past I wanted to to really feel into what feels alive and what feels like it has medicine for this moment for all of us and this episode this conversation is no exception it was the deepest honor to have one of my dearest teachers, Tori Feldman, come onto the show. This is actually the first of a couple of times that I have interviewed and been in conversation with Tori. Our second talk was actually part of the Wild Woman Trove, which I will link in the show notes below for you. The Wild Woman Trove is this huge collection and library that I created earlier this year. 
It has over 40 conversations with incredible women spanning the full depth and breadth of feminine wisdom. There is so much in there. And Tori has a conversation right in amongst it, speaking on the ancestral feminine. It's incredible. And it's, it's actually kind of like a, a, a deeper dive into this conversation that we're, we're having today. So if you enjoy this conversation... <laughs> You may want to go check out The Wild Woman Trove and dive into that kind of follow-on as well with Tori. Now, I, I'm actually going to hand this over to, to past Rach <laughs> because I think she, she did a pretty good job of, of introducing Tori and her work at the time that we were recording this. And yeah, before I do though, I really want to take this opportunity. If you are someone who is interested in exploring cyclical wisdom and aligning with the rhythms of the earth and the moon, astrology gets you going, ritual and feminine mysteries, I really would love to invite you to come and take a look at the Cosmic Weavings membership. This is my delicious monthly member portal where each month, you will receive rich, beautiful, downloadable guides and classes and meditations. We cover the astrology of the month. You'll get full guides to each new and full moon, along with a ritual and prompts to really dive deep into them. We cover the wheel of the year, so the solstices and equinoxes and the cross-quarter days, plus so much more. It's it's incredibly delicious space i'm really really proud of what we create inside it and i really want to invite you in now because there are big things in the works for the membership in in 2024 and with that the price might just change slightly to reflect what it's becoming what this this space has really become and so I'm just letting you know that now, just quietly, so that if you do feel the call or if you felt the calling in the past to jump inside, you can do that now and lock in the ridiculously low price of $25 Australian dollars a month. And come join me in this space. Come and nourish your soul each and every month. There is plenty to sink your teeth into in there. Okay. I will also include all updated and relevant links for both Tori's work and my own so that everything is relevant to the here and now. And you'll find that all in the show notes below. I'm going to hand this over to, to previous Rach. <laughs> and I hope you enjoy this episode. Tori Feldman is an ancestral healing guide and legacy mentor. She guides women through ancestral connection practices to heal their lineages so they can embody the wisdom of their ancestors and tap into their unique feminine magic. After immersing in countless spiritual paths and lineages, Tori experienced a radical awakening that changed her life forever when she visited her own ancestral homelands, which she actually shares with us in this episode. Ancestral connection brought her the embodiment and healing that she had been searching for her entire life. Tori specializes in the intersection of ancestral healing, legacy work, and ceremony. And she is passionate about helping women to connect to their ancestors, trust their magic, and embody their full spectrum spiritual gifts. I am so honored and touched to have Tori on the podcast today because she has been 
a true teacher and guide on my own journey. I've taken many of her courses and journeys, including the Honeyed Womb, the Witch Wound course, and more recently, Lineage of Love. She is somebody who I deeply admire and value for her work and just her being. Like Tori truly embodies and walks her talk. She has the most tender and immense heart and the work that she's sharing in the world is truly the medicine that we need. And we talk about that later in the episode as well. In our conversation, we also talk about the original feminine ancestors that are earth as mother and sacred water. It's so juicy. We talk about connecting to the rhythms of the earth and how to find that connection when we feel so overwhelmed by the hardship that we've really experienced or we are experiencing. We dive into why womb work is ancestral work and we talk about understanding our lineage as a place and the journey of the soul as it incarnates into its body. We also touch on how personal healing is ancestral healing, whether you are currently pregnant or planning to have kids, whether you've already had children or you don't plan to at all. We talk about how ancestral healing is earth work and healing too, and the significant repercussions that can come of ignoring this work and our relation with the world. And all throughout this episode, Tori also shares several personal and intimate experiences that she's had herself that have moved her, cracked her open and deepened her work, both personally and beyond. This is just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) We, We go so deep. This is such a beautiful winding journey of a conversation. This episode is so potent. Truly, I highly recommend listening to it all together, all the way through, if you can, to really drop in and receive the medicine that Tori shares. And as you're listening to the episode, make sure you screenshot and share it to Instagram and tag Tori and myself. If you're particularly moved, let us know what little spark ignited or resonated for you. We would love to see this episode and conversation shared far and wide. So feel free to send it to anyone that you feel would resonate with it. Or as I said, share it to your Instagram and be sure to, to tag us as well. As always, all the links mentioned will be in the show notes, as well as links to Tori's own work, including her incredible signature course, The Honeyed Womb, which she's just opened the doors for once again. So all the info is in the show notes for you to explore. And without further ado, let's dive straight in. Enjoy, beautiful. Welcome, beautiful Tori. Thank you so much for coming on Weaving the Wild today. Rachel, I am beyond happy, beyond honored to be here with you. I cannot wait. There is so, so much juiciness that I I, I just want to dive straight in. <laughs> but um, I would love actually to begin with a little bit of context as to obviously in the intro, I, I shared what your work and sacred ancestry is all about, but I would love to hear your journey to sacred ancestry and maybe some of like those key initiatory moments that really led you to, to birth this body of work and to who you are now. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. 
So on my ancestral healing journey and awakening and my spiritual journey and awakening, it really started in childhood for me. And growing up, I didn't have any spiritual role models. I didn't have any language for what spirituality was. I was not raised in a family that valued religion as far as a spiritual practice. I was raised Jewish and being raised Jewish, my dad would always refer to himself as a plastic Jew. I put that in quotation marks because to him, that meant that he just showed up to temple on the high holy days and he didn't really believe in the religion. And so I went to Hebrew school and learned how to read and write Hebrew and I got bat mitzvahed, but I didn't have any idea how to actually use Hebrew conversationally. I didn't know what any of the words I was saying meant. And so when I was 12, going on 13 years old, about to get bat mitzvahed, I actually went through a big rejection and rebellion against Judaism. And I told my parents, I don't even know the God that I'm praying to. I don't even know the words that I'm saying on stage in front of all these people. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with this. And my dad said, do it for grandpa. Just do it for grandpa. So I went into my bat mitzvah with that kind of an energy and did it for my grandpa and then left Judaism and went to the opposite end and classified myself as atheist. And I went down a whole rebellious path as a teen. Like I feel that many of us do where we try to individualize who we are from our parents and find our own identity and become our own person. And so along with several other things in my family, I wanted to separate myself from them as much as I could to rebel and say, I'm different. I'm different than my family. I care about different things. I have different values in a lot of ways. And a huge part of what eventually brought me into understanding spirituality, even though I still didn't have words for it, was I was very privileged to have parents who loved to travel. And so throughout all of our travels, throughout my whole childhood, wherever we went, I said, take me to the ruins. Let's go to the ruins. And now looking back on that, I see that when I was a child, and I think this is true for so many of us, especially those of us on the spiritual path, many of us, when we're children, we have this fascination with ancient Egypt and with these ancient cultures that in some ways speak to our soul on a level of something that we're missing or lacking in our modern day lives. They have that sense of remembrance and magic and ritual and ceremony and connection to something bigger and deeper and more ancient. And so throughout my childhood, I would say, take me to the ruins. And I wanted to learn as much as I could about these different cultures and these more ancient ways of being in ceremony and in ritual. And I became really, really dorky, which is a part of myself I'm actually extremely proud of. I'm a huge dork at heart. And I would just ask the tour guides as much as I could, like, what were their beliefs about the afterlife? What kind of ceremonies did they do? What was their life like? And really wanted to understand what was actually a deep sense of ancient spirituality and ancestral connection that I felt that I didn't have because I was given this shell of a religion. I was given this shell of Jewish tradition without any actual spirituality in it, or so I thought, right? Because that was never introduced to me. And so I went to school and studied cultural anthropology and specified my studies on indigenous rights and indigenous cultures 
because from what I could see, what I was seeking was in those indigenous cultures, but not in me, not in this culture that I was handed growing up as a white Jewish woman in the LA area, this culture that I thought was fast food and fast cars and celebrities and the toxic culture of whiteness. And so I thought that all of the magic and the spirituality and the traditions were outside of me in indigenous cultures. And after graduating with my degree in cultural anthropology, I went and lived and volunteered on a Native American reservation, the Tono Autumn Reservation in Southern Arizona. And I also worked with the Hiachid Otam peoples and with their native language class and was an assistant teacher for the language class and created the syllabus with the native elders and helped to teach that free class and was involved in other cultural revitalization projects on the reservation as well. And during that whole entire year, I was so passionate. I was like crying tears of passion every day. And our mission, myself and my Native project partner, Victor, um, our mission was for the elders to pass on their ancestral ways and their traditions and their ceremony and their language to the youth, to the next generation. And what we found were the youth weren't showing up. They weren't showing up to the language class. They weren't really interested. They had their own culture and their own kind of rebellion from where they came from and their way of coping with traumas. And after a year of noticing the youth aren't showing up, I asked, why aren't the youth showing up to learn about their culture, to learn about their ancestors and to learn from their elders? And I had this realization where I realized, oh, I'm a white Jewish woman from Southern California that's here living and working on this indigenous, you know, Native American land and reservation. And I am that youth that's not in tune with my own culture. And I don't think that there's spirituality in my own culture, but now I'm realizing that we all have that on some level, but mine's just buried so, 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 so far back beneath the forgetting that's lived in my lineage for so long. And so instead of pointing my finger and saying the wisdom lives in the indigenous wisdom keepers, which is still true, I had to point that finger back at myself and tell myself, I know on some deep level that wisdom also lives in me and in my lineage. And so that's what started my journey of connecting to my lineage and connecting to my ancestors. As far as turning that into the movement that it is today. That whole story takes us to age 21. And I didn't birth sacred ancestry until I was perhaps 27 or 28. So it it was a journey. It was a an unfolding journey where I started integrating ancestral healing into my work. I've been doing women's spirituality mentorship and facilitating women's circles and healing arts of all different kinds for the last um, eight or nine or 10 years. I've been doing Reiki for 11 um, that's, I don't really offer Reiki anymore, but that was, you know, I started that as my path. And so I was just slowly integrating in ancestral healing and ancestral connection work until I started feeling that it was a calling that I could not ignore. And as soon as I quit my job, I was, uh, very involved in an organization called global sisterhood, working with some of my best friends and had this incredible position, creating rituals and ceremonies and discussion questions for women's circles all over the world. I quit it on pure intuition on Lionsgate one year and knew that I was going to create uh, 
I was going to step into my calling of helping people connect to their ancestors and the magic and depth of spirituality that lives in their lineages and that lives in our bodies. And I still didn't know the name of it. I didn't know that it was sacred ancestry. It was just like a pure leap of intuition. Nothing was set up yet. And there were so many initiations that came along the way. Uh, about a year prior, I went to Israel and had a full body ancestral awakening, where in every cell of my body, I felt all of my ancestors through time who have been praying for one of their descendants to be able to return to Jerusalem. And no one in my family's living memory in my father's line, which is my Jewish line, has been back to Israel or has been back to Jerusalem. And so all of the Jewish prayers are like, may we return to Jerusalem? May we return? May we go back to our homeland? And I was there and felt that in every cell of my body that I was literally like the answered prayer of my ancestors. And I felt that ancestral wisdom activate inside of me. So that was one big initiation that I went through. Tears streaming down my face as I saw the Kotel, the Western Wall, and behind it, a cemetery that's the oldest continually used cemetery, which has been used for over 3,000 years and people are still being buried there today. So in the same view, I saw this wall in this cemetery and just every cell in my body received this incredibly indescribable remembrance and feeling of home. That was one activation. And I'm trying to remember the this, oh, the second. Okay. So this was this was another was after I quit and I decided I want to do ancestral healing work, I'm ready to devote myself to this and go in 100%. Um, I quit that job on pure intuition and about a month later ended up being a death doula, essentially, even though I'm not trained to do that, but that's the position that I held um, for my, at the time, beloveds. I'm not with him anymore, but my beloved's father. And his transition was a month long, and I went and lived in um, the home of this man, his father, and um, his mother, um, and was essentially acting as the embodiment of service for that full month um, for this man's transition from the land of the living to the land of the ancestors and holding the family along all of the emotions and being there with him as he took his final breaths and witnessing this entire interaction of what it's actually like to witness someone passing over and to be praying on that level for that transition and to witness the family and to witness the energetic of the torch being passed from father to son, from the one who held the position of patriarch to the new patriarch that's stepping up into that role and was there through the whole packing up of the entire home and, and selling things and moving his mother. And so that was another deep initiation for me. And then my ancestors started coming into my dreams and telling me very, very, very specific things to do, things to Google, things to research, things, ceremonies to do, ways of connecting with them until my whole journal every day was just filled and filled and filled and filled and filled with these messages and transmissions that would just flow out of me in relationship to the ancestors. So that eventually is what birthed sacred ancestry. <laughs> wow. That's, thank you so much for sharing as well, in particular around those like initiations and activations. Oh, I'm just, I'm just like sitting for a sec. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Both of them, I literally had like tears brought to my eyes as you were sharing first about returning to Jerusalem and 
answering that prayer and also being within that space of of transition or witnessing Mm -hmm. another in transition it's not an easy space um you know and I've, I've been there myself and it's it's a it's often a messy space but it's like the beauty in the mess and in the depth that's there something that really sparked as you were talking that resonated for me was when you were talking as when you were younger this like interest in like the ruins and asking the questions like what do they believe what what was the you know what what was their thoughts in the afterlife and what do they do how do they do all this sort of stuff and I feel like I'm not alone in resonating with that like I remember being young I haven't you know I didn't travel a whole lot but even uh, I would stay at my grandparents a lot and they would take me to just they we go on day trips and like one of the little places nearby where they lived was this it's called like the Welsh village and it's mm. ruins it's an old it was a, a tiny tiny little like group of cottages basically that was like Welsh miners who migrated to the area and there's just like the remnants of their stone hut like cottages basically and it's like, yeah, the magic that you feel like you're so drawn to places like that. It's like people lived here. Something happened here. Like life took place here. Yeah. And even when I look back at my own kind of um, upbringing, one thing I remember of myself is I was always, I loved story time basically like when the family was just talking or like sharing conversation around the table and mm. as soon as it went to like philosophy of any kind or like, you know, the meaning of life, little Rach just frothed over it. Mm -hmm. And even when I went, I got eventually when I was in university and I was there too, like I was uh, majoring in literature, but the subjects, the electives that I picked that I absolutely soaked up was religion and spirituality. And in that, you know, learning, I grew up um, at like baptized Catholic, but we were not a religious household at all. Um, And I kind of grew up not really knowing even beliefs, like what what is all of this terminology and what is it all? So it was interesting at university when I was studying this stuff because I was like, I don't think I'm going to use this in a practical way. Like I'm not going to teach this or go on and study this, but I just need to know it. Like I just need to know this. I soaked it up like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hearing you share about like, I just wanted to know, like, what did they think about the afterlife? What did they, how do they do things? Like, what was their approach to life? I think that so many of us, when we're feeling that pull, that interest or intrigue, as you said, it's like there's something missing that like I'm missing something here. And I feel like I can almost feel it there. Like I can feel mm-hmm. like the there's something there for me. And it comes to this like sense or or call of it's like a sense of place and belonging in the world to understand what the hell is this thing that I'm experiencing here called life and this is a long-winded way to like I suppose bring myself to the first question even that I want to ask you is this sense of of place with a capital P Mm -hmm. we're all kind of really longing for and this process of ancestral connection the fact that ancestry is not just connecting to those people and finding the names who came before you. It's it's understanding and remembering, right, your place in the mm. world. And mm. 
that is what really, really struck me when you first shared or I first heard you share about the concept of our original feminine ancestors. Mm-hmm. And when you shared about this, it just struck me so deeply because it just made so much sense to me of how to find, for me, it's finding my way home, finding a sense of place and belonging in the world in relation to the feminine original ancestors. And I would love for you to share about the original feminine ancestors. So I know that I'm being a bit mysterious here. Essentially, they are the earth and water, these feminine elemental beings and entities which we all come from and I wonder if you might maybe if we talk about each but if you might share maybe if we start with earth as mother and the ancestral connection Mm. that we have in relation to the earth and our sense of place and how we also might go about like connecting to earth as an ancestor Mm. Oh, oh, oh yes 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 So for everyone who's listening, who is able to, as you're listening to this podcast, I invite you to drop into your body for this conversation, really dropping down, if you can, into your pelvic bowl, into your belly or womb space, taking a few breaths and dropping down into the earth of your body and the earth beneath you. First of all, remembering that every site on this earth is sacred. Many of us go looking for sacred sites, and there are many that have been sites of ceremony and prayer and importance for the ancient ones. And this earth right beneath you, right here, is sacred. She is just as sacred as any other sacred site. So allowing yourself and your body and your intention to honor the earth beneath you is sacred. That's one of the deepest portals of connection to remembering that the earth is one of our original feminine ancestors. And so on a very deep primordial level, your body in physicality is made of earth, is made of stardust, is made of the bodies of all of the ancestors who have come before you, all of their DNA, all of their information. And your body was born onto this planet through the nourishment of your mother. And so the first home, the first earth that you knew was your mother's body. She was the first planet you were born into your mother's womb and her body that held you. And then your mother in her body that was made of earth birthed you onto this planet and onto this earth. And our bodies are made of earth and of water on such a deep level. On a molecular level, we are 99% water. Our bodies are like this divine architecture of earth holding water and water is deeply programmable water holds memory and so does your dna and so does every cell of your body so does the water and the rivers of your blood 
and so do your bones. And so on a, on a very deep level, when it comes to remembering your original feminine ancestors as earth and water, it's taking yourself out of the small perception that can be a limiting perception that your ancestry is just your parents and your grandparents. It's remembering that you actually have thousands or tens of thousands of ancestors that stretch back through time. And the stories that you've seen in your life, in your parents' life, in your grandparents' life is just the tip of the iceberg of all of the stories that live in your lineage and all of the names that live in your lineage. And so on the level of bloodline and lineage, the place that you are oriented is that your soul chose to come into your lineage. And so on a spiritual level, your lineage is actually a place. It holds something. It holds a sense of belonging that very often we feel disconnected from because of the trauma in our lineage, because our lineage doesn't feel like a safe place to be, because of different wounds that live there or things that you've experienced in your life, in your childhood. And so when we heal our relationship to being in the place of our lineage, when you heal the relationship of feeling safe in the place that is your lineage, then you feel a deeper sense of safety in the place that is planet Earth. And so on a very deep level, if we feel unsafe in our bodies, unsafe in our lineage, unsafe in our family, if we feel that we don't belong here, then our soul will not be embodied into our body because we don't feel like it's a safe place to be. And for many of us walking the spiritual path, especially during these times on planet Earth that are very intense, we oftentimes don't feel safe to be on this planet. And we question, like, why was I born into the family that I was born into? Why did I choose this planet? I don't feel like I belong here. A lot of people are very called towards discussing different star lineages and past lives. And all of those things are incredibly magical and a part of our spiritual heritage, absolutely. And the earth being our original feminine ancestor and healing our relationship to her beyond all of the stories of all of the traumas, when we go straight back to the source and remember that you are a daughter of this earth or you are a child of this earth and you let the earth hold you as mother, as original mother, then something very, 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 very deep and primordial and ancestral begins to shift in your body and in your relationship to your incarnation and why your soul chose to come here to this planet and here to your lineage. And so when you begin to feel safe on earth and feel earth holding you as the original mother full of nurturance and support and that unconditional love and that incredible beauty that she holds, then you begin to see yourself as a divine descendant of sacred ancestry, understanding that your ancestors aren't just those in your blood lineage or even just the ancestors in your soul lineage, but your ancestors, your ancient feminine ancestors of earth and of water are a part of what brought you here. You're like original mother. And source as well, God, the universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it, creator, 
that is an original ancestor as well. So it's like mother, father, God, like mother earth and father sky. So it may sound esoteric, but to weave this in on a very practical level too, connecting to the earth and the sacred waters as original feminine ancestors allows for you to see through the veil of illusion of what you think is unhealable in your lineage. It allows you to see past the traumas. It allows you to see your entire life from that bird's eye view or that eagle's eye perspective or through the eyes of the divine or through the eyes of love. And when you connect to that ancient wisdom of the earth and her transmission of love, and you remember that that's a part of you that's literally embedded into every cell of your body, then you can lean into her for support in your journey of ancestral healing as well. And you can take that love that you feel from the earth back, 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 back from the source, understanding that she is your original ancestor. And you can weave that love through your lineage and bring that remembrance all the way back to now and let it ripple out through you into future generations. The thing that most like is speaking as you're all coming through as you're sharing then is this sense of um anchoredness that we receive when we like you said see beyond the stories and the narratives that we're experiencing and we kind of let go to a certain degree I'd be interested to hear what you suggest or advice you have for those who when you I know for a lot of people when we're feeling up here in our heads and when we're have experienced a lot of trauma or we're experiencing a lot of trauma in our lives it's you know one thing to hear you know the earth will hold you let her be your mother and you'll be like yeah okay cool in the meantime I'm just going to continue experiencing all of this shit while life is happening to me right (laughs) yes Um, so I'd love to hear what you have to share for those who are experiencing that or having that response but something that was really coming through for me as you were sharing there is as you really, really drop in and feel this land, this truth that we are of the earth, we are made and are one and the same as everything else that is tangible in this world. And we are universal intelligence manifest. We are the cosmic intelligence that has found form and is manifesting itself in unique ways and threads and when we kind of drop back into that truth there's a process of shedding and almost simplifying like for me and I know a lot of people I've seen it you feel it in the field a lot of people experiencing like simplifying in their lives at the moment and just returning to like simple rhythms for example Mm. and I think there's a medicine in like being able to drop or or just take off the cloak of all of these stories and I say stories not to like disregard experiences and, and trauma but the stories that we attach to them right and to seek a simple rhythm and allow mm-hmm. ourselves to just drop back into the web yeah. <laughs> of all that we're a part of and I think there's a medicine in that that we've been really divorced from when we live mm. such 
busy, like ever growing and evolving and busy lives. Yeah, it's easy to disconnect from that and forget that we're actually just a part of one big, beautiful cushioning web (laughs) that supports Mm. everything else. Mm. But for those who hear that and go, well, that sounds lovely. (laughs) How do I, how do I find that space? Do you have any sort of advice or suggestions in ways that we can start to actually seek that connection and to clear the path to find that connection? Mm, mm, mm. This is such an important conversation, Rachel. Thank you. You are brilliant and just have such a deep embodied understanding of this work. So just wanting to acknowledge how incredible you are. Oh, and in response to your question, essentially it. I'm going to use a parallel and that parallel is different types of, you know, trauma informs trauma informed ways of being with the body and with trauma, like actual trauma and hardship and challenges. Right. So it can be really easy when someone's having a panic attack to say, just breathe. But sometimes Mm. that doesn't work because Mm. there are deep things that are stored in the body. There are deep things that are stored in our lineage. There are deep things that are stored in our nervous systems and thinking our way out of it or imagining our connection with the the earth as a way out of it is not going to access those deepest levels unless there's a sense of being resourced and present and embodied, like actually in the body and able to receive that. And so I love that you're adding in this element of like, that's really, let's really ground this in. Uh, So Ah, for people who are experiencing that, it's funny because I just want to say like, join one of my courses because this is what we do. (laughs) There's so much I can share on this subject. Um, Essentially, it's what I would have to recommend is the process of ancestral healing and in a very safe container, in a safe, sacred space, beginning to heal and hold those parts within you and your nervous system and your body and your lineage that aren't needing to be held in order to feel safe enough to feel the support of original mother. Because for a lot of us, we have ancestral wounds or mother wounds that stop us from being able to receive that kind of support because surrendering into the support of a parent didn't feel safe or because of traumas that we've experienced in this life or past lives, including spiritual traumas of thinking that you were going to be held and then becoming traumatized instead. And so there's no easy quick fix. And I'm not about easy quick fixes. So my guidance for you is to tune in to that part of you, that prayer within you that is yearning for that sense of safety and that sense of connection. And to let that yearning and that desire and that prayer be so deeply felt in your body and in your heart that it's almost heartbreaking that you let it touch you on those deepest levels and you reach out to the divine if you have a relationship with the divine and you reach out to your healed wise and well ancestors 
those wise ones that do exist in your lineage because we all have them, including you. And pray to them and with them for your support, for their support to help you heal this on the deepest levels. Like let your wounding transform into prayer. Let it transform into something that no longer keeps you stuck and cycling in patterns, but rather that moves you and propels you in the direction of healing. And sometimes that takes courage to drop down and to feel that level of yearning that lives inside of us to heal around the places that we haven't been safe to receive the love of mother or the love of earth or the love of community or the love of self or the love of partner or the, the list goes on and on and on, right? And it really comes back to a deep core level of a core wound that I believe so many of us are holding, which is a core wound around belonging and not belonging. And that's linked to the core wound of unworthiness and rejection and abandonment and oftentimes betrayal. And so first having so much compassion for yourself and understanding that you are not alone and that this pattern is older than you. It didn't start with you. And there are so many resources and there is so much support even just in your lineage and through your prayer to hold you through your first steps of opening. And if and when you're ready to dive into doing that healing work, that is exactly what I do. I just don't want to prescribe a quick fix because honestly, there is none. It's a, it's a deep path. It takes a deep devotion to heal yourself and to face these parts of humanity and these parts of our lineages that live within us, that are trapped in our bodies, that are ready to be liberated. The process of like thawing, the way I see it, it's like slowly, little bit by little bit, things are going to thaw and you're going to feel them. And it's often like, you know, when like you get really, really cold, it might ache, it probably will. And then eventually it will acclimatize once it's like being able to see daylight and fresh air and sunlight again, eventually it will heal. But it's like this process of very slowly thawing. Um, but I would love then to hear you also talk about sacred water and to take this just wherever you like to go, but <laughs> I'll let you run with it. But talk to mm. us about, about water. Mm. Yay, sacred waters. <laughs> uh, before I dive into sacred waters, there's actually something I want to add as well. Um, and that's to circle back around and to echo a beautiful point that you made around the cycles and the rhythms of the earth and connecting back to those. And I want to tie that into that whole conversation that we just had around there's no quick fix. Mm. And this is a deeply devoted path and one that is so worth walking and one that does not need to be scary, that does not need to be hard, that can actually be filled with so much love and support and presence and grace and beauty and joy. Oh, and we each have our own timing, our own sacred timing and pace in the rhythm of our healing and in the rhythm of the unfolding and the thawing as you put it, of what's ready to be released or alchemized or healed or stepped into in our lineages. And so I just want to anchor that whole conversation into that context of 
there's nothing to rush. And in fact, if we are approaching healing work from a place of trying to rush it, then it's not actually healing because trauma happens when something is too much, too fast, or too soon. And so just an invitation for those who are listening, first of all, to understand that you are not alone and you are so incredibly held and the journey does not need to be scary. It can be the most beautiful, nourishing, life-giving, joyful, profoundly beautiful process in the world. And to trust in your own rhythm and to also understand that that rhythm, those cycles, operating from that place and that awareness and that attunement to those rhythms and cycles that live in your body and your lineage and your soul's timing and in the earth, that's actually a deeply feminine way of approaching healing work rather than an old masculine paradigm that seeks to just power through it and force things to happen. And I have an agenda. I have you know, set time that this needs to be done by, or if I don't accomplish that, then I'm a failure and then I'm unworthy and all the stories start from there. Right. Mm -hmm. So a part of this is shifting out of the illusion that we need to heal X, Y, and Z in X, Y, and Z way in order to be worthy of X, Y, and Z in order to be whole, in order to be happy, in order to be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And instead, shifting into a deeply feminine perspective of timing and understanding that from the perspective of the feminine and from the perspective of the womb space and from the perspective of the earth, time is not linear. It is cyclical. It is spiralic. It is infinite. And so when you sink into that rhythm, your own rhythm, and you trust so deeply in your connection to the divine and to your own soul and to your ancestors that you know that no matter what choice you make, it's always going to be the right choice in that moment for you. And that you are guided. And that there is no rush. And that you have a deep sense of inner knowing. The more that you can center and ground into that, that's when miracles happen. That's when you enter the timeless space where what may have taken years or decades or lifetimes to heal can actually happen in an instant when you're not trying to force it or coerce it or manipulate it based off of some you know, paradigm around the mind and thinking that we humans need to figure everything out and do everything based off of what's popular on Instagram, right? <laughs> like shifting completely out of that mindset and into the womb set and into the heart set and into the earth set and allowing that to be your, your space, your place that you live and operate from. So all of that being said. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Such a, you're such a beautiful, um, leader and weaver of this conversation and of this space. Um, let's talk about the sacred waters. Yes, please. Yo! <laughs> uh, the sacred waters. So as I shared, our bodies are water temples. And 
we are born from the waters of our mother's womb. And if you look at the story of science of how evolution started, we came from the waters. And if you look at many different creation stories across indigenous traditions, we come from the waters. And before that, we come from the darkness. And so there's a deep, deep, deep ancient connection between the waters and the ancestors. And our DNA is in its spiralic form because of two pushing forces that happen in the water. I think I forget the words. It's like hydrophilic and hydrophobic, something like that. Forces that are the currents of water that literally spiral our DNA. And our cells are mostly water. And seeing that the ocean or the waters of this world is like the womb of creation, the womb of actual life coming, crawling out of the ocean, right, on our planet, and seeing that we are born into the waters of our mother's womb, and seeing that when scientists go in search of life on other planets, they look for signs of water to find signs of life, we begin to see that water is the conduit that births souls into form. So water is like the womb in that sense. There needs to be water present, like the actual magic of water. We want to talk about magic, like <laughs> literally there's nothing more magical than water that can be a solid, a liquid, a gas, and a plasma. And so water needs to be present in order for a soul to come into form and to be born. And so water being an original feminine ancestor, it incorporates the womb, it incorporates creation stories, it incorporates science, it incorporates the most magical spiritual dimensions that we can hardly wrap our mind around. And water is also the first mirror. So for our ancient ancestors, before the times of mirrors and before even the times of polishing obsidian, which was the second mirror, we had the original mirror of water, looking into water and seeing our reflection, water that we need to drink in order to be alive. And so we not only come from the water, we need water to survive on the deepest level. And she was our first mirror, our first reflection of who we are. And so there's, there's so much more that I can share around the waters. But yeah, I'll, I'll share this one other piece. You can right here, right now, listening to this, you're able, you can close your eyes or drop into your body and feel the currents of water that are moving through you. Feeling the saliva in your mouth, feeling the wetness of your eyes, feeling your heart that's pumping and circulating blood the waters of your blood and your bloodline. 
through the rivers of the veins of your body. There's your cerebral fluid surrounding your brain. Can you feel that? There's the lymphatic fluid. And beyond all of that and all of the different systems and organs that need water in order to be hydrated, in order to be operating, there is water sweetly caressing and cushioning every strand of DNA in your body. And you came from the waters of your mother's womb. And while you were in your mother's womb, as you were developing as an embryo, there's a certain point when your embryo looked identical to the embryo of a dolphin. And then between your fingers, as your fingers start to form, you have webbed fingers. And you have gills that turn into lungs. And so you are an aquatic being. We come from the great womb, the great mother of the water and of the earth. That's a little sprinkle of water magic. <laughs> Amazing. Do you know, thank, that was just beautiful. I don't think I've ever felt the fluid in my brain before, but I was just feeling just like the most fluid being that I've ever been. <laughs> As you were sharing just that fun little bit, it just reminded me of um, I remember reading, I think it was in the book Womb Awakening, something that blew my mind around the fact that when we are in, in the womb and we are forming, we essentially go through the process of evolution in mm. terms of the, the shape and forms that we take. Literally, yes. as you said, from aquatic beings all the way through, that we have tails and everything, and we literally eventually finish as these little humanoid beings but each and every one of us like you listening you Tori facing me me like I I had the form of everything that we have come from like I've gone through that process myself it just blew my mind I just had to like throw that in there. <laughs> it's so true and Recently, I had um, an in-person event here at my house, which was mind-blowing. And um, one of the sisters that came was so excited to share with me about something she had experienced in a meditation of mine years prior. And um, I'll keep her name private, but she experienced in this short, I think it was my free meditation that was a part of the Wise and Well Challenge, very short, like 12 minutes or whatever it was. Um, she experienced connecting to an ancient ancestral guide. And that guide first came to her as an extremely ancient cephalopod woman. So cephalopods are, um, there's that's a whole family, but they can include octopuses and squids and, you know, those ancient ammonite shells, those mm -hmm. spiral shells that have these beings in them like these kind of snail-like things that live in the water, those are cephalopods. And so this ancient ancestor came to her as a cephalopod woman. And she said it was so vivid and the presence of her and the wisdom of her and the messages of her came through. 
And then she saw that cephalopod woman evolve through time until she turned into a more recent Romani ancestor and she got her name and she was seeing her dancing and feeling her very unique energy and personality. And she literally saw the evolution of her lineage by connecting to an ancient ancestral guide that's even more ancient than when we had human form. <laughs> so <laughs> there's so much wisdom and that's that's straight up water magic, ocean wisdom, like primal ancient ancestor. Yes. Oh my God, that's incredible. I feel like all of this water brings us straight into the womb. And I would love, again, this is this is such a huge topic and there is infinite amount of ways that we could go. So I'm just going to trust you in whatever feels present. If I were just to, to throw it to you and say, what is the significance of the role of the womb in ancestral healing? Why is it so important? Mm-hmm. Well, first I want to share that the womb, when I talk about the womb, it doesn't only apply to the physical organ of the womb. And so when I talk about the womb, I'm really talking about the womb space, Mm -hmm. which exists in all women, regardless of whether you were assigned female at birth or whether you have a physical womb in your body or not. If you are a woman, you have the feminine energetic center of the womb space. And so when we look at the physical organ of the womb and the physical purpose as assigned by science it is birthing life into the world. And when we look at the spiritual or esoteric or energetic of the womb space, it is the space of creation and manifestation and the bridge between the worlds. It is literally a landing pad and a portal for things to be birthed into being not only babies, but projects intentions becoming actualized, etc. Anything that you want to create in your life. And so when we look at that alongside ancestral healing, we begin to see that the womb and the womb space is not only a portal for future generations to be born through, it is also a direct portal to the ancestors as well. And so all of our womb spaces are connected to the wombs of the women who came before us by a red thread. If you can imagine when you were a baby, your belly button connecting to your mother from that umbilical cord. And then when she was in the womb of her mother, your grandmother, same with her, connected from the belly button through the umbilical cord. And so if you can imagine like these um, matryoshka resting nesting dolls. There, there's, you know, a, mm. a doll that splits in half and then out of it comes another doll that splits in half and out of it comes another doll that splits in half. There's this red thread that travels through from you and your womb space all the way back through all of the wombs and all of the women and all of the feminine ancestors who came before you. And the womb, because it is so deeply tied to the sacred waters and the act of creation, and it's a portal between the worlds that literally births spirit into matter, it is also 
an actual storehouse, like an ancient library that's filled with all of the stories of your ancestors and specifically your feminine ancestors and all of the women who came before you. And so embedded into, for those of us who have a physical womb, embedded into the tissues and the cells and the blood of the woman of your womb are all of the stories, all of the traumas, all of the gifts, all of the magic, all of the triumphs, all of the challenges that have lived in your lineage and that have been passed down from womb to womb to womb to womb to womb. As your physicality was forming in your mother's womb, as you were being formed on a physical level, that's when your soul was coming into your body. And as your soul is coming into your body, it's like your body is being downloaded with genetics, with DNA. And the DNA is not just on a physical level of what color will your eyes be? What color will your hair be, right? It holds so much more. And then that's just on the physical level. And then there are other levels of development as we are forming and as we are creating, which include the emotional body, the mental body, the spiritual body, the astral body, the energetic body and so on and so forth. And each of those is imprinted with information as you are in your mother's womb. And so your mother's womb is not only what's forming you on a physical level, it's also like a space that is downloading into you the memories of all of the ancestors who came before you and whatever your mother is experiencing while you're in her womb. So if your mother is experiencing any kind of hardship or trauma or challenge, on a scientific level, this has been proven that that will affect the baby chemically, hormonally, etc. The baby will share the emotion of whatever the mom is experiencing, right? And so if while this is all forming, the physical body, all of these energetic bodies and layers, while this is forming and while your soul is coming in to that body, your soul is forming a relationship with your physical body. It's like your soul is becoming woven into that body. And if the soul sees that there's danger that the mother is experiencing or trauma or challenges that the mother is experiencing, and as they're kind of feeling into like this lineage that I'm being born into, and it doesn't feel like a safe place to be, then on some level, because that's the first primal relationship between your soul and this physical body, on some level, the soul won't feel that that body, your body is a safe place to be, won't feel that your bloodline or your lineage or your mother is a safe place to be, and won't feel that this earth is a safe place to be. And so when it comes to your incarnation into your bloodline, you're being downloaded with all of this ancestral information while you're also looking at, will I feel safe here on this planet? Will my soul's gifts be welcomed here on this planet? Will I be able to fulfill my soul's purpose in this planet? What All these questions and more. And this is often happening, not so much on a conscious level, but on a deep, deep, deep primal level as your body is being formed in this life and downloaded with this ancestral information. And so... This all impacts your journey of embodiment in this life. 
And embodiment is essentially how much is your soul actually in your body? How safe do you feel in your body? How safe do you feel living on these earth, this earth during these times? And the more that you bring your soul into your body, the more that you embody your soul's gifts and get to be a living emanation of your purpose and why your soul chose to come here to this planet. And the more that you bring your soul into your body, the more you are also bringing your soul's gifts and your soul's wisdom into your lineage. And so there is an exchange of information between your soul and the lineage that you were born into that happens throughout your entire life, not just during the time of gestation. So your soul came here to bring your specific soul gifts and all of the experience that your soul has had beyond just this one lifetime to your lineage. And at the same time, there's an exchange. And you're also receiving all of the gifts of your lineage and perhaps also all of the traumas and wisdoms of your lineage as well. That's a part of the curriculum that your soul came here to learn. And so there's an exchange between lineage and soul and soul and lineage on many, many levels. And the more that you bring your soul into your body, the more you can actually feel safe to be here on this planet. It's the process of healing and then your soul coming deeper into your body and healing another piece and your soul feeling more able to be here and be embodied on this earth. And so instead of your soul hanging out in your higher chakras, feeling disembodied and unsafe, breathing your soul all the way down into your legs and into your womb space. And so this is where it comes full circle is when you're forming in your mother's womb, that's an extremely formative time. And when you awaken to your own relationship to your womb as the center of creation, then that becomes a portal of healing for yourself and your lineage. And when you breathe into your womb space, all the way down deep into your womb space, you are breathing your soul into your body. You are awakening the ancestral memory and gifts that live within you. And you are actively participating in the soul and lineage conversation and exchange from the perspective of being on the path of healing and consciously walking a path of awakening. And so there's so much more on this topic, but this is just the basic energetic and physical perspective of soul embodiment and incarnation and ancestral healing. I'm wondering, um, really early on, as you were saying, like this is, um, we're talking here about the womb space. Um, so even for those who don't have a physical womb, this energetically is housed within you. And for those, I, I think, who struggle to kind of plug in or tap into the connection, like the physical physicality of it sort of, mm. um, there's also the invitation to look at it as, like your entire pelvic bowl holds memory and and energy, yours and beyond. And you know that the bones are the record keepers in so many uh, so many ancient cultures and belief systems as well. And so our pelvic bones, the structure that holds our womb, our you know our yoni, our cervix. Every, everything here holds energy. Um, so some of it's physical, but even just the pelvic bowl, if you're looking to, 
to drop into and anchor into physically is something that might support you in that. And I just wanted to to touch on because as you were sharing here around, um, you know, as as we are as we are souls dropping in and starting to connect to the physical form that we're we're building within the womb space, if anything's kind of going on around mum, that can essentially interrupt that. And I'm seeing that from two sides. I'm seeing that from our story, and I think most of us right you'd be like well yeah that that explains a lot um what do I do with that though but also from mum's perspective and perspective of mothers I'm sure like when we hear about this wisdom it's like okay well I have to do absolutely everything I can to protect baby right from Mm -hmm. I don't want to fuck them up basically so (laughs) I'd just be interested to hear what you have to say or share to those who are pregnant or looking to be pregnant or even who um, who are mums who have already had their babies without this knowledge. Because I, I feel like we have so many reasons to wrap ourselves up in guilt and blame ourselves already. Um, so sometimes hearing these conversations can just feel really overwhelming. And I'd love yeah, to hear yeah. what you have to say about, share with that. Yes. Oh, mamas. Yeah. Yeah, this whole conversation is not in any, any way meant to add pressure or to shame anybody for any experience or any process. Um, So anytime that you do ancestral healing work on yourself, it is rippling out to touch your ancestors as well as your descendants. And while you are pregnant is actually the most powerful time to do ancestral healing work because it is having a direct impact on the child in your womb. And it is also helping to heal all of the mothers who were pregnant before you and their connection to their child while they were pregnant, while that child was in utero, forming that connection to mother and their connection to their body, etc. And so from that feminine perspective of nonlinear, cyclical, circular, spiralic time, the work that you do is literally quantum. And I know that that's such a buzzword right now, but I mean that in the truest sense of the word, that when you do this ancestral healing work on yourself, whether you are pregnant or not, but especially while you're pregnant, it ripples out beyond what we could ever imagine or understand with the mind. It is so deep. It is woven so deep. The connection between mother and child, it speaks for itself. It is the the deepest alchemy and bridge and connection. And so as you heal your relationship to having a child, your relationship to being a child, your relationship to having a mother, your relationship to being a mother, it's rippling out to touch all of your ancestors, especially the mothers, and all of your descendants. And while you are pregnant, if you experience a trauma or if you have a powerful emotional release, there is no shame. It is actually extremely important that you are a deep feeler and that you are surrounding your experience with the intention of prayer. So that no matter what you go through while you are pregnant, everything that arises is fuel 
for your empowerment and is an act devoted to the healing of your lineage. Mm. And same goes for being a mother. Our tempers run short. We fuck it up all the time. It's like the messiest role to be a parent. And I don't even know because I don't have kids, but my God, my God, there is no perfection. There can never be perfection. And so along this journey, it also includes the depths of being able to remother yourself and to be divine mother for yourself as well, to hold your inner child in the ways that you might have an inner perfectionist or a little one who thinks that they're not good enough or who was told things that hurt their feelings that they never quite healed from. And to tap into the energy of divine mother for yourself, not just for your little ones, but to tap into that energy of divine mother for yourself, to offer yourself that compassion, that is the most healing act that you can do to generously give yourself that compassion and that understanding and to see yourself and to hear yourself and to honor all those parts of yourself, including the one who's scared, including the one who's angry, including the one who's fucking it up, including the one who's scared of fucking it up, including the one who's failing and scared of failing. And the list goes on and 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 on. Because the healing journey is not at all about being perfect. And it's not about putting more pressure on yourself. And it's not about carrying the weight of you're the one that needs to do all the healing in your lineage. And you're the one who needs to be perfect for the future generations or you're going to, you know, mess it up. It's so much more about dropping into that same consciousness that we talked about before of the cycles, the rhythms that are moving through you. And taking a balanced, empowered responsibility for loving yourself through it all, being compassionate with yourself through it all, and knowing that that is the best example for your little one. I know we're shifting towards the the close of this conversation, but I just have to reflect as well on something that I'm I'm witnessing in my own life. Someone very, very close to me is, is pregnant not far away now and what as as you were sharing something else that was really coming through for those who are pregnant or for those who are looking to to have children in the future around this like oh how do I protect them from the stuff that it happens to me is like I think the thing to remember is life happens there's always stuff that's that's going to be happening to us and to our little ones and the future generations. And so we can't stop necessarily things happening, but it's how we respond and it's how we are modeling our response, even in utero, right? As you said, there's no difference. Mum and baby are one and the same as far as baby's concerned. So yes, we may feel maybe in danger for a moment, but it's how we respond to that as well. And do we feel like we can actually create safety or you know, things like that. So I think, as you said, the work that we do for ourselves and within ourselves as we are pregnant um, is immediately being like encoded as well <laughs> for the little one too. Yeah. And I think part of that, the, the person in my life who is on this journey, she literally, um, as she was calling in this baby, she knew she, she was calling in a deeper healing um, for our red thread as well. But 
the things that have come up for her, she's like, I'm not, I shouldn't be surprised how intense this has been because I called this in, but half of this is like, this is the baby bringing this stuff up. Mm. Like, like this little soul is so old and so wise. And they're like, you wanted this? Here it all is. I'm stirring it up. I'm here. Like, take this, take this. These are the things you need to work through for me to come through here. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that she's just found herself in a place where she is resourced enough to be able to do that and to move through whatever is coming up is is part of it too, I think. Mm. I would love to hear um, as we do shift towards the end of this conversation, uh, the... (laughs) I suppose I'd love to hear in terms of this overarching movement of ancestral healing and connection and awakening that is sacred ancestry, like what do you feel is the price, I suppose, of of us not doing this work, of us not waking up or not reaching out and doing this healing? And what... I was going to say what would be the gift, but I think I would, I would rather ask what is your wish or desire moving forward with this work? Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh. Thank you. This is like, I get to pray with you. I get to share with you my deepest prayer. <gasps> um, so before I go into that, just one line in response to that amazing share about your friend who's pregnant is that is the perfect example of a soul bringing their soul wisdom into the lineage for an exchange, mm-hmm. like literally perfect example. So just wanting to honor that amazing mama and that amazing baby and that amazing soul for that exchange already happening, even in utero. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'll start with my prayer and then we'll talk about what if this prayer doesn't come true? What's the risk here? My deepest prayer and my vision that I am holding in my body that I already know to be done and to be true is for the world to remember the importance and the power of connecting to our ancestors, of knowing where we come from, and of ancestral healing. And when the world remembers the power of ancestral healing and staying connected to our roots, what we're doing is we are embodying lineages of love. We are remembering the love that lives at the core of our lineages, beneath all the layers of trauma and conditioning and programming. We're remembering that core of love and we are choosing to weave it back through and to do that healing work, to shed those layers of trauma so that we can embody actual lineages of love and walk as future ancestors in our power as wise and well ones, embodying the gifts of our lineages, reclaiming the magic and the spirituality and the beauty and the love and the peace that lives in our lineages. And my vision is for the world to remember the power of connecting to our ancestors and for lineages of love to be the norm on our planet. For all over the world, for lineages of love to be established and remembered and embodied so that we can create a thriving, 
just, sustainable, beautiful future for not only humans and humanity, but also for the earth herself and for all of her kin, for all of the animals, for all of the plants, for all of the beings here, for all life on our planet. And so that's the vision and that's the prayer. And what happens if humanity doesn't awaken to healing ourselves and healing our lineages? What happens if instead of lineages of love and families of light, we continue on this pathway of disconnection? Disconnection from ourselves and our power and our roots and our ancestors, disconnection from the earth, disconnection from each other. I feel that we're already seeing just the tip of the iceberg of what's possible when we don't remember, when we're lost in an ongoing black hole of forgetfulness. And what we see is environmental degradation, a mass extinction, cultures and languages and wisdom keepers being lost and even murdered. We're seeing the waters being polluted, the air being polluted, and using the resources available on our planet at a rate that is literally completely unsustainable, that cannot sustain life after a certain point of going at the rate that we're going. And so, to me, ancestral healing is a form of spiritual activism. Ancestral healing and earth healing go hand in hand. They cannot exist without the other. When we remember where we come from, when we heal our ancestry, we are healing future generations and creating a whole new paradigm and a whole new life for them. And when we dive into ancestral healing and we remember the wisdom of our lineages, it's all earth wisdom. It's a deep knowing of how to live in a way of honoring the earth and living in harmony with the earth and living in harmony with each other, true harmony, not just some hippy-dippy fairy tale idea, but truly remembering that we are all kin, that our family is not just our blood family, but that mother earth is our mother and we are all her kin. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all siblings here. And so it's really not just about healing our individual families, it's about healing our global family. It's not just about healing our blood ancestors who are humans, it's about healing Mother Earth as our original ancestor, the sacred waters as our original ancestor, and together becoming a family of light, like a true family of light. This is not just some floaty word. This is literally like, what if humanity awakens? What if we get to live the epic story arc that we lived in a time of destruction and we're hurtling towards death and war and starvation and decay? And then we chose to heal. We chose to take responsibility. We chose to evolve. We chose to rise. We chose to transform. So what if we get to live that epic story arc 
And in my opinion, what's at the center of that story arc is not just living in the present moment, which is extremely important, but thinking of the future generations and learning from our ancestors, not just learning from our wise and well ancestors and their ways of being in harmony and ceremony and bringing those ancient ways forth and honoring the indigenous wisdoms that are still alive, but also learning from the ancestors who made mistakes and no longer bypassing the histories of racism and destruction and separation that have lived in our lineages. So what if we turn towards the wisdom of our ancestors, not just the wisdom of the light, but also the wisdom that the darkness has brought. And we heal that so that we're no longer glossing over it and bypassing it and hurtling forward and saying progress for the sake of progress, go, 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 go. But we're actually tending to the roots and the foundation and looking at what got us to this point as humanity, as a civilization that is very deeply responsible for what could be classified as destruction and possibly the biggest mass extinction that our planet has known. So when I talk about ancestral healing being at the center of what's needed in our world, it's very real. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. so real. Like how can we possibly shift and heal as a collective without turning to tend to the foundation and the roots? There's my favorite African proverb says, when a child falls, he looks forward. And when an elder falls, he looks back. And that is to say, when someone stumbles and makes a mistake, from an immature mind, they just keep going forward. Progress, progress, progress. Go, go, go. But when an elder falls, he looks back. Which is to say, when a wise one falls, when a wise one makes a mistake, they look and they said, what made me fall? What made me stumble? How can I learn from this so that it doesn't happen again? So that history doesn't repeat itself? And so that to me is just a taste of what ancestral healing means and the risk of what if we don't step into ancestral healing, which I think is synonymous with what if we don't heal and evolve and clean up what's happening on our planet? I'm just like breathing in your prayer, but also like talk about full circle, coming back, coming back into right relation with the world and knowing as our wise, well-healed ancestors did, knowing our sense of place in the world and not place in the sense of like a hierarchy, but our place, like where do we fit? Where do we plug in and weave and integrate and belong? And, yeah, as you said, it's it's about being here and in the present and also for the future. And I've said it before in other spaces, but I, I truly feel one way or another that we are part of the generation of, of clearing where clearing the shit and the muck and we may not see the results of that but yeah. we're doing it it's so hard to say this without getting emotional because <laughs> I see it in my little nephew I see it in the little soul that's about to you know mm. you know just a few weeks away from being earthside and we're clearing it for them yes. like this so the generations little souls that are coming through right now are so 
special. They're so old. They're so wise. And yeah, I just, it's such a privilege to be here now and to do that for them. Amen, Rachel. Amen. And this is reminding me of an experience that I had at Free Cascadia Witch Camp, which is a gathering, a week-long gathering of witches who come together to do collective ritual and ceremony for the earth. It's a form of earth activism and magic. And I went for two years when I was 20 and 21. And one of the experiences that I had there that your story is reminding me so much of is during one of the big mass rituals that we did, there were, I think, two or three women who were um, more of the elder witches in the community who were deeply experienced in these arts. And as a part of the ritual, there was also other things happening simultaneously. They covered their heads with veils and closed their eyes and went into a state of oracular chance, um, oracular trance and prophecy. And as one of the things that you could do in this ritual, you could walk up to one of these women, one of these seers who was behind a veil with her eyes closed, and you could put her your hands in her hands and hear what she had to say to you that she was bringing through from the other side. And I remember walking up to one of these women, and the energy of this was so deep and profound. And I remember she was wearing these fingerless gloves and I put my hands in her hands and instantly her hands like warmed around mine and clasped, clasped my hands in this way that I knew like who was holding my hands right now is not the physical woman here. Like this is a, this is a, an ancestor. This is a wise one. This is a being. And what she said to me was, ah, it's you. And she said, the work that we are doing in this lifetime, we will not see the result of. We won't see the result in this lifetime, but we need to do it anyway. And so talk about being a future ancestor. We literally are. What we do right now has that impact where generations and generations and generations from now, in my opinion and in my prayer, when the world turns towards collectively healing and awakening, whenever that is, and I do believe that we will get there because that is what I am embodying in my prayer and in my walk and in my life, when those future descendants of the earth turn back to thank their ancestors and the ancestors who came before them, not only of lineage, but of path. Ancestors who set the stage for them to now be in a time of healing and awakening, truly embodied on a collective level. They're turning to thank us. They're turning to thank the ones who put in the work, even knowing that they wouldn't see the results in their lifetime. And when we thank our ancestors, and when we thank our ancestors of path, we're doing the same. When we turn to thank the suffragettes who stood up for the right to vote for women, who courageously spoke and used their voices, even when they knew that they probably wouldn't see 
women stepping into true equality in their lifetime. They did it anyway. And so we owe so much, not only to our ancestors, but to our ancestors of path. And those of us who are doing this work, it's not just for those in our bloodline. It's for all the future descendants of this earth, all the animals and the plants, the waters, the earth herself, and the evolution of humanity. So thank you, Rachel, for bringing that in. Just going to invite everyone to take a really deep breath <laughs> as you're listening. Thank you so, so much, Tori. It is always just the deepest medicine hearing you share and just the words that just transmit from your being. Um, I'd love to close. I always love to ask three rapid fire, quick little questions. So first question is what is nourishing your soul right now? So what are the practices that really bring you home to your body and the earth? Mm. One of the practices for me is being outdoors and connecting to the ancestors of the land where for me, I'm on the unceded indigenous lands of the Shumash and the Tongva. So going out onto the land and truly deeply dropping in and speaking to them, not from a place of this will be fun or I should do this, but from a place of actual deep reverence and deep respect and humility and understanding that I am on stolen land and honoring those ancestors and thanking them and asking them if there's anything that I can do to support them or to be of service to this land. So thanking them, thanking the earth, loving her exactly how she is, thanking the rocks and the trees and the plants and the animals and the wind and the sun and the waters and truly doing all of that from a place of understanding that I'm not just talking to an inanimate object, but I am actually in conversation with beings. And I am also being watched by beings that I don't even know I'm being watched by. So really feeling myself in that wider, wilder context of the ecosystem that I'm in, not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level as well. So beautiful. The second question is, if you could recommend one book to every person for them to read on their journey of weaving the wild back into their lives, what would it be? Hmm. This is such a hard question for me because it's so hard to choose one book. Um, so from I'm going to answer this in my own unique way and be a rebel. <laughs> okay, so the one book I would recommend reading over anything else is the book of your own body <laughs> and the book of your own ancestral memory that lives in every cell of your body. I've always imagined that the bones of our bodies are like scrolls in a library that are just covered in these codexes of wisdom. So I'll say that. And then I'll also give you a few books <laughs> because it's so hard for me to choose favorites. One is the book, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. Another is Jambalaya by Yeye Luisa Teish. Another, for those of you who are Jewish, 
is Magic of the Ordinary, Recovering the Shamanic in Judaism by Gershon Winkler. And I also want to throw in one that for me just awakens a sense of memory, of spiritual memory, and that is the Gaia Codex by Sarah Drew. Oh my goodness, amazing. I will have all of them in the the show notes as well for people to to go and find if any of that calls to you. But thank you so much. So the final question is, how are you currently weaving your wild at the moment? What are you feeling called or doing or exploring? You know, what are you feeling called to follow in your own rewilding journey right now? Mm. Oh my God, we could have a whole podcast on this topic, (laughs) honestly. So right now I am reweaving my connection to my wildest and deepest gift, which is actually mediumship. And it's something that I don't do in my work, uh, but I'm very naturally a channel and a medium, not just for ancestral wisdom, but I can, if I choose to, open to beings who can speak through me and sing very complex languages and melodies through me. And it's a gift that I shut down years and years and years ago because I did not know how to be in right relationship with it. And I did not know how to hold my boundaries in a way where I could trust what I was letting through. And so after a five-year break, I am now in a space where I have found mentorship that is impeccable in its clarity and depth of responsibility and depth of lineage. And so what my wild looks like for me is leaning into that edge, leaning into that gift and exploring my wildest, deepest gift. So it's it's a big one for me. And for me, it's a lot of it is shedding the conditioning, shedding the witch wound, shedding the parts of me that are still afraid of fucking it up and choosing to trust my wild animalistic instinct and my wild inner witch and my wild fierce inner protectress who is completely sovereign and knows who she is and knows how to trust herself and the divine and her healed wise and well ancestors and spirit team to be able to safely step into that work bravely with an open and humble heart. That's amazing, Tori. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I don't know if you could hear that, but there was a baby magpie just going completely off outside my window as you were sharing that. Oh my gosh, I didn't (laughs) hear. Oh, damn. I feel like it was just like, and it literally was like complete, like wild abandon. So I'm like, it's totally speaking right now to you. (laughs) Oh, sweet one. Thank you. This has just been... Oh, as I said, I'm, t- I'm definitely going to have to just go outside and just ground a little bit after this, but I'm so, so, so grateful for the space that you hold always, Tori, but for for coming on and, and dropping into this space. And as I said, I had a little prayer before we began to let this conversation be medicine. And I know like there's been many a tear that has come up for me during this, but I am sure for those listening as well, there is deep medicine to drink in and to to really feel into so i'm so grateful thank you so much rachel this has been absolutely amazing beyond 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 words and 
I'm just so honored to have been in this beautiful space that you've created and in this conversation with you and your humongously huge, wise, open heart. You are just so incredible. I've loved our conversation and thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in. I'm so here. If you want to connect with me on any level, you can find me on Instagram at Sacred Ancestry and I have many free offerings as well. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Tori. Thank you for listening to the Weaving the Wild podcast. I'm walking my path here on Jaja Warung country and I acknowledge the Jaja Warung elders past and present. <laughs>